Hello and welcome to Be The Wolf. I am your host, Jenea Barnes. Many people struggle to be the fullest, biggest, truest versions of themselves. They bend to fit into other people's ideals of who and what they should be. They tame their brilliance to avoid judgment and gain approval. A long time ago, people attempted to tame the wilderness of Yellowstone National Park by eradicating predators. Taming the wilderness collapsed the ecosystem. But there's hope. In the mid-90s, 41 wolves were introduced into the park and with this, the ecosystem replenished itself and flourished. The wolves did nothing but be exactly who they are meant to be and do what they were born to do. So I say to you, be the wolf. Hello, hello everybody and welcome to this episode of Be The Wolf. We're going to talk about screwing up and succeeding anyway. I'm with Raya Gonzalez. She has a new book out, super exciting, and it's totally about screwing up and succeeding anyway. And I think, you know, a lot of us really have this perfectionist mentality where it's like, oh my God, what's going to happen if I make a mistake? (laughs) And I got to tell you, it's okay to make mistakes. And sometimes it leads to the good stuff. Uh, Raya, tell us a little bit about all the other stuff you do besides writing brilliant books. Yes, thank you. Um, so I'm Raya Gonzalez. I am the founder and CEO of Link Consulting Solutions, which has absolutely nothing to do with my um, role as an author, but it is a phenomenal business. And I help female entrepreneurs who are doing it themselves and, and or have a very small team find affordable help in the Philippines. Um, and in that process, we are actually empowering women in the Philippines to be business owners themselves. Um, some of those women are not able to work outside of the home, but have, you know, this amazing education and experience. Um, so it's just rewarding all the way around to connect business owners with other business owners. Um, and so that is what I do for my quote unquote day job, although it's like half time now. Um, and then my other side of my business is this wonderful book and speaking on these topics that are very aligned with Be the Wolf um, and empowering people to be themselves, even when um, themselves is not exactly what they thought they were supposed to be. (laughs) (laughs) Well, speaking of what you thought you were supposed to be, you know, we all have these ideas growing up, whether the ideas are fed to us from our parents or society at large, maybe our grandparents, maybe we see our friends' parents, and we get all this information coming at us. What did you, before you were sort of forced to strike out on your own, what did you think your life was supposed to look like? There's two branches to that. So when I was five, I said I was going to be a nurse. Um, And that later came back around as a goal for me. 
Um, when I was in the ninth grade, I did a career report and I found out that physical therapists get this. They can work four days a week and make like $40,000 a year. I was like, dude, that much money, 40 grand and work four days a week. I am sold. So I set my eyes on becoming a physical therapist. And by the time I graduated high school, I had taken so many advanced placement tests and things. I was like, this, I don't, I don't want to be a physical therapist because I, I realized that I was only doing it for what I thought would be this uh, lifestyle that I wanted, not because I was passionate about it. Um, I went into a field of healthcare. I did um, administration. I did practice management and my degree is in administrative management and IT, which I always tell people, I can't fix your computer. I can Google like I have a professional degree in Googling, um, but I can also help you find software and tools to help you run um, your business in an effective way. Um, and as time went on, I thought, you know, I want to do something different with this. And I really aggressively sought out becoming a nurse practitioner. I was very, very close. And then my life went completely sideways. Um, and so I had to rethink everything. But those were the two things. I th Somehow I always knew I was going to be in healthcare. And here I am. And I know for a fact, never going to be in healthcare again. So... <laughs> Well, actually, in some ways, you and I are both in healthcare. It just comes at it from a different angle. We're talking about because the mind and the body are 100% connected. I mean, they've proven it like every thought you have, every feeling you have affects every single cell in your body. So when your mind is healthy and the stress that you have in your life is less, you are a healthier person across the board. So you are still in healthcare. <laughs> Thank you for saying that. That's actually, that makes me feel so good because that's actually very, very true. I think, um, especially the aspect that I took in terms of caring for the mental health of the team and really um, improving communication from the providers to the team. Uh, you're right. I think in a lot of ways that, um, connects to what I'm doing right now in um, helping people connect with themselves. 100%. So what did, did your parents have an idea or did they tell you what you should be? I am the product of a hippie musician and a hippie artist who became born again Christians. And so not so much. Um, my dad got a college certificate and my mom did some college, but a lot of her um, education was life experience. And so I was actually the first in my family to graduate from college in my nuclear family. Um, and my sister has gone on to um, up me and get her master's degree. And I'm so proud of her. Um, and uh, so there wasn't a lot of ex internal pressure to do that. For some reason, there was a lot of internal pressure. I had to get the 4.0. I had to get the, the education. And, you know, there's a whole story in the book about that. Um, and, but I, uh, it's unhealthy in, in a lot of ways to put that type of pressure on yourself and also parental um, you know, pressure in that way can be very unhealthy. There's some motivation and good things that come from it. But um, luckily for me, that was not a um, 
a component. It was more like this internal need for affirmation and validation. And I sought that through this academic pursuit. Yeah, I think it's real interesting. I think it's so common for people to look for a way to be successful and it's trying to validate your worth. And, you know, when we're young, we don't have a lot of resources. We have school right at our fingertips. So there's this thing, okay, if I do really well at school, I get a good education, I do this thing, then I'm going to have this great life and everybody's going to love me. And then my life is going to be great because everybody will love me and I'll feel good. Yes. Well, and there's that immediate feedback, right? I mean, grades and test scores tell you immediately, um, did you perform in the way that was expected? Should you celebrate or should you be depressed? Like there's this immediate feedback all along the way where you determine whether or not you had a good day or whether or not you had a good month or good quarter. Um, and so there, that can be a high or that can be something that really traps you in a low and can be demotivating for you. Um, for my children, I have three daughters, uh, two of which are in their 20s, and I have a seventh grader. And I just had this conversation with my seventh grader because she's like, Mom, my friends, their parents are so hard on them. And some of them are freaking out about getting a B. She's like, why do you never like, like, why are you the way you are? <laughs> and I was like, because my thing is, are you showing up? Like, are you turning in your homework to the best of your ability? If you get a D, like you are smart kid. Like, I know you didn't try. Like, I know. But if you get a C and I see that you're putting forth the effort, I'm not going to be mad at you. I might say like, what do you need help in? Do we need to get, bring in some resources, that kind of thing. But like, I don't care. I'm not, I've already done middle school and high school, so I'm not doing it for you, but I'm not going to judge you if you're showing up in your best. And that's all I care about. Are you doing the work? Are you studying um, and maintaining your mental health? And if you are doing those things, that's all I can ask from you. Um, and I know that that's sort of a unicorn thing to, to say, but I mean, like C's get degrees. So, you know, like in the end of the day, very few people after you get out of high school and you start college are going to ask you what your GPA is. As long as you're doing your best, that's all you can ask for. Yeah. 100%. It's interesting too. I think about school is measurable, right? You've got those grades and I think a lot of people move into their jobs and they use, it's still a very measurable thing on many ways. Like you still have a job, you're not getting fired, you get promoted, you do well, you push yourself and you're getting all this acknowledgement or not, maybe you're pushing too hard, you try and do your best, but it's very clear. I know for me, it was very clear when I started working, this is what you do, this is the reward that you get. But when you get to relationships and navigating relationships, that is way too difficult, way too much, way more complicated. And I know for me, and I think this happens for a lot of people, is they bury themselves in work because you understand what the metrics are. And relationships are not so understandable. And I think this is one of the things that really drives people into workaholism and to burnout. 
Yeah, there's so many applications to that. I think of my perspective as an entrepreneur. Um, I always say you don't have coworkers when you're an entrepreneur. Um, no one's going to come and tell you you're doing a good job. Um, and maybe you're earning well in revenue, but that doesn't actually mean that you're doing a good job because that could be fleeting. And then when it goes away, you're like, why, you know, oh, I'm sucking. I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And so you have to find a new metric for yourself. And sometimes that's unpredictable. Um, in friendships, same thing. Like, how do you know you're being a good friend? Is it because you're giving all and they're giving some? Is this equitable? Like, is that the measurement? Um, I think in romantic relationships, I mean, from my perspective, I got married at 19 to my husband, who I met my senior year of high school. We didn't go to school together. And um, we've been married for about 25 years. For many people, that means that we have a very successful marriage. And they're like, how do you do it? There are so many people. Well, first of all, like some days we don't. You know what I mean? Like it, there's these hills and valleys where he is my best friend. And then they're like, then I'm like, I need to talk to you. But like, I don't know how to because I need to talk to you about you. Like, um, because you're driving me crazy. But there's so many people in relationships for years that are miserable and um, so hurting. And is the time marked in that relationship a metric of success? Like, I don't know that that's necessarily true. And it's because that's the metric they're using for success. And it's sad, you know, like we're looking all over the place for what is the milestone where I achieve success. And then when we achieve that milestone and we feel empty or not enough, then we're left floundering and then we look for a new metric. And that's why I wrote this book to say, like, I mean, I'm going to swear people, sorry, but fuck that. You know what I mean? Like, fuck that. Fuck all this. Like, you say what success is. And if success is, I made it. Like, I, for myself, don't believe in divorce. I feel like there's other ways that you can um, repair relationships. But, like, there for many people, that's the way that they, um, you know, healthily process their relationships. So, you had five good years with somebody. And then you come to a season where you're like, we're going to amicably say, we're going to call it. You know what I mean? But that was five good years. Or if you had five horrible years, but you learned amazing lessons about yourself, that's a success, you know, like, um, and likewise in jobs, I mean, I job hopped to get to that nursing goal and I hated myself because in my old style metric, longevity in a job and how long you were on that job on your resume on LinkedIn said you were valid, you were worthy, you were loyal as an employee. Fuck that. You know, like, what did you learn? What did you bring from that? And that can be a success. And it's about the confidence you have in saying, oh, this is my measurement of success. And this is what I took from that experience. And, um, and it's awesome. And like, who's gonna, who's in game go in your face and say, um, actually that sucks. Like nobody, if you're confident, they're going to be like, Oh, that makes sense. You know, like, um, so, you know, that's, um, Oh, sorry. Coffee delivery from the husband of 25 years. And 
food delivery. Um, love you, babe. Uh, so like that is, uh, you know, those are the things where it's about being confident in things that are unconventional success and doing it in a way where you set the metric. And maybe that metric is, I've said it once, I'll say it so many times. Maybe the metric is I got up today and I brushed my teeth. I changed my pajama pants and I got back into bed. That could be a metric of success because um, I myself, like many, many people suffer from anxiety and depression. There are millions of people who have different mental health challenges. And sometimes that's, that's it. And you know what? That's okay. That's great. you like, you did something, you made an action to love on yourself. And if anyone else says that's gross or that's not enough, like that's their problem, not your problem. You did something to love on yourself whether that's like making a small step or this huge leap into something else. Right. And I'm really reminded of understanding what your values are and understanding what's important to you because, you know, you talked about loyalty and longevity and that's important for some people. That is the metric for success. And it's okay that that is their metric. I know for me, when I'm uh, swiping on the dating sites, I see loyalty as one of their values. I'm like, nope, because to me, so many people that have loyalty as a top value, and not everybody, but a lot of people that do will sacrifice their well-being to remain loyal and I am about growth and expansion. I am about connection. I am about actually feeling freedom and love in your body, in your relationships and all of those things. And when you are loyal to the point of, I've seen it so many times, people making themselves sick because they're burning out, because they are doing everything for their family and not allowing any space for themselves to heal. And then when all is said and done, they end up in this place where they end up sick. And their body, their unconscious mind forces them to slow down and take that time for themselves. So for me, it is, it's something that is a red flag. Now, does every person that has a value, a strong value of loyalty operate that way? 100% not. It, but it is about, for anybody, about doing what is 100% right for you and holding true to what's right for you. Now, your journey was very not conventional. You uh, started before you even graduated high school. You had to figure it out on your own. Tell us a little bit about how you were almost forced to become the wolf at a very young age. Yeah, absolutely. It's tough because I have to tell this story because it is so fundamental to who I am. Um, but it involves people that are still in my life and I love very deeply. But I had a very difficult home life um, for multiple years leading up to my senior year in high school. And ultimately what culminated was um, about three months before graduation, I found myself uh, with the lack of opportunity of staying inside my family home. 
Um, it resulted in a brief stint of homelessness. It wasn't very long. I slept in my car for a little bit. Um, and then there was this beautiful family, shout out to the Higgins, um, who I barely knew. They, I had a friend who I was getting to know. She had told her parents that I had sort of a difficult home life. And almost flippantly, they had said to me one time, if you ever need a place to stay, you know, come and talk to us. And so um, one morning I showed up on their doorstep at 7 a.m. And I was like, how serious were you about that comment? And they did. They took me in um, past graduation. They actually let me stay with them for another year. Um, and it was so beautiful to see what um, a functional family, meaning they still had their struggles, but to be so cared for in such a loving way um, and allowing me to figure out independently who I was going to be in this hurting and really raw space. Um, and I wasn't ready to be an adult. I was a child, you know, um, I was an honor society officer. I was on drill team. I was like in all of these things and I nearly failed high school and had to drop out and get my GED because everything took a dive um, when your world implodes and um, college was not no longer on the table because I did not live at home. So I can't like get a FAFSA with my parents tax information. Um, I can't get emancipated because I'm 18. Um, and so it was a, just a really challenging time. And so what ultimately I decided to do um maybe subconsciously out of safety, but also in my mind, I felt like it was a really good decision was just to get married. So um, I graduated from high school in June and um, May 2nd of the next year, I got married and I was 19 years old and immediately got pregnant because um, I wanted to have that stability, that family um, and it brought all of these challenges because I'm bringing an adolescent brain into a very adult world. I would take back nothing. I have the most fucking phenomenal uh, family, amazing children, resilient. Um, but they're not joking, the older two, when they say they grew up with me because I wasn't ready for that role. I feel ready to be who they need right now. Um, and to like, not repent, but like be apologetic for the ways that I fell short unintentionally. I think it's important to, a lot of times as parents, especially get older and they learn more and they're like, oh my God, I messed up. I did all of these things wrong. And they slide into this guilt spiral. So many parents do. And I think it's really important to honor your past self was always, you know, doing the best that you could with the resources you had. A lot of people give me slack when I say that. They're like, no, they could have done a better job. And yeah, maybe when they were well-rested, well-fed, 100% feeling safe and all of those things, maybe they could have done a better job, but they didn't have those resources at the time. 
And most people at an unconscious level, whether they're aware of it or not, are doing the best that they can with the resources they have. So it's always looking back at your past self and honoring who she was and knowing she didn't know what you know now. And there's no reason for her to feel guilty. And you get to show up differently and better and heal and help heal relationships and whatever that might be. But I think it's so important that people let go of that guilt. Yeah. And when it comes up, fuel it, use it as fuel towards something um, productive, something that I went through with writing the book because it was hard to embrace not only what happened to me, but how that manifested in the way that I treated other relationships, including myself, like my relationship with myself. And um, something that I've learned is like that guilt that I feel, I can use it to better myself right now, embrace those parts that was doing the best that I could, um, accept responsibility and not use that as an excuse and say, like, it's okay because I was doing the best that I could. Um, recognize, especially my middle daughter and I have really battled, and we had a very serious conversation about this. And she presented her case of how I damaged her and how my actions as a mother was traumatic for her. And all of me wanted to say, like, def like defend myself and say, like, no, 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 that's not what was happening behind the scenes, but that's her reality that's her story that's her experience and I do feel guilty but what I tell myself especially in those moments is say now I know what she needs that's how I know what she needed then let me show up right now in this clear space as the wolf that I am let me show up in the way that she needs, because that little girl still needs me. And let me be that mom for her right now. And it, I will tell you people in one year of writing this book, she will call me for advice. She will call me just to shoot the shit. I mean, she's 21 years old and we didn't speak to each other. And now it's not perfect, but it's uh, miraculous. All because I was willing to shut my mouth and say, if I have my own story that my parents have a different version of, and my story is valid, why is her story not valid just because I experienced it a different way? And if I can say, I can say those things, but I can also say, you deserve for me to show up right now. And I want to love the you that is right now. And how can I love the you that I didn't show up for? And, um, and that's a growth process, you know, and sometimes in that doing the best that you can, I remember days where I'm like, which decision, which decision is going to fuck up my child less? Like I'm fucking up my child in this, in this scenario, but which one's going to hurt less. And so, you know, do what you can in the moment, but be prepared that the reckoning will come. And then when that does come, be open to that conversation because we each are allowed to have a valid story, even if other people experience that situation in a different way. And then just show up for that person and be present. 
I think one of the things that is such a huge be the wolf quality that you're touching on here that is so freaking important is taking responsibility and not letting like, well, making excuses. Well, I did the best that I could. Yes, you did the best that you could. And you get to show up differently now because you have a different level of consciousness. And by understanding that you have more knowledge, more resources, it is your responsibility to show up better and to take responsibility for the past. And that's not about like blaming like, well, I was, you know, on drugs or I was not mothered well as a child or whatever the excuse might be. That's not the thing. It's saying, I see this, I recognize this, I can do better and I choose to do better and continue to do that. Because if you say that you're doing the best that you can, but making an excuse all of the time without trying to bring what you know now into the picture, it, you've got to start to look at, well, what is it in your life that's creating your inability to actually step up with the new resources that you have? And usually it's fear. So I know that you had to step through a lot of fear in your life. What's maybe one of those big step through fear and take that leap moments for you? I could choose a million um i would say uh well i'll go to a, another like pivotal there was so many things happening at this time but the culmination of it and how i became an entrepreneur is i was fired from my clinical job that was toxic af i should not have been in that job but i really needed the clinical experience I was going through a personal crisis. So I personally did not show up to that job in the best that I could. So I have definite responsibility there. Um, in addition, they did some shady shit. And so um, anyways, I got fired. It was right like weeks before my 40th birthday. And I was like, who the hell gets fired when they're 40? I've never been fired in my life, which P.S. in retrospect, if you haven't been fired, you're doing something wrong. Like everybody should get fired at least once in their life. Um, but it threw me into this tailspin because I thought like, how do I reinvent myself in my 40s? And how do I explain to an employer, because I had always worked for somebody else, why I am not employed and the fear of um, the, like, I just felt so um, unworthy, like empty, not enough. Like I couldn't come, even though I had all these beautiful skills and education, I couldn't come and confidently say that I felt like this one thing defined everything about who I was. And um, I actually ironically became an entrepreneur because I thought it was less risk. Which is funny because anyone who's been an entrepreneur, it is all risk every day, all day, every day. Um, but it felt more comfortable to do that than to present my resume and LinkedIn to somebody else. 
Um, then I had to overcome the fear of selling and the fear of pricing and the fear of all these things. But um, yeah, it's just that fear of reinvention, embracing who you've been before, you know, and then, you know, to tie what we were previously talking to, to this exact question, um, we all have heard about generational trauma and how real generational trauma is. And when it comes to us, that generational trauma is real. You are allowed to embrace it. You are allowed to say this happened to me and I come from this lineage of trauma that has happened. And what I've explained, especially to my youngest, is it is our responsibility to... um, It is our responsibility to break that there and create an inheritance of healing. So you embrace what's happened to you. You recognize what has happened to you. You validate what has happened to you. And even in the face of fear, because it goes against everything that generationally is normal for you, you say, I'm going to take responsibility for what is mine. I'm going to understand that this comes from a long line of normalcy for my ancestors all the way up to my loved ones. And I'm going to create something new for me and for the line that comes after me, whether that be biologically or the people that I choose for my family. I'm going to create an inheritance of healing. And so, but there's so much fear in that because it is going against the grain. It's surrendering to something unknown. And, um, you know, surrender in itself is the greatest fear, but it is the only answer. You know, it's the only answer to dramatic change and bringing joy into your life. Absolutely. And and that's exactly what being the wolf and this podcast specifically is about is because people come from these generations of doing things a certain way, where your life is lived out of fear. And to see other people step forward to breaking those patterns and knowing that it's possible because most people did not grow up with that model. So it is incredibly important for people like you, people like me and all my other guests to show their friends, their family and anybody out in the world that it can be done. And so now for you, what is your definition of success? Because I think it's really unique for every single person once you choose to make it your own definition and not somebody else's or society's definition. What does being successful mean to you? Yeah. Um when I work with people, I do um, coaching one-on-one with people specifically around defining their success. And I like to break it down because I think that if we put our success so far out that it can feel impossible and then you get discouraged. So I like to say, what's an easy win for you? Like, let's look in the next two weeks. What's one or two things that you could do in the next two weeks that would get you closer to maybe that long-term thing? And you would be like, 
yes, I did something amazing. Um, and then push it out and say like three, three or six months, um, what would be something that would make you, and maybe not even taking, like, don't even listen to the long-term goal. Like what would make you feel sex successful in the next three to six months? And then just like baby step it. Because honestly, even if you set that goal, like if I said my ultimate goal is to become a physical therapist, I would be so miserable. And if I, all of my actions, steps had had led towards that one thing um that would be so miserable but i can say you know my one to two week goal is i would like to take my vitamins my medicine every day i'd like to drink two cups of water a day because i'm horrible at that um or you know I would like to like do gentle exercise four times in the next two weeks. Okay. That's possible. And if I accomplish that, I'm going to feel so good about myself and I'm going to feel like the next step is possible. And then maybe the next step is equal. Like you don't always have to like re up yourself. Like I think we think we have to like, okay, I did it four times. Now I have to do it three times. What if you just said, I'm going to do another two weeks where within that two weeks, I'm going to do gentle exercise for four times. Like we have to re constantly redefine that for ourselves. And maybe you get to those two weeks and you're like, actually, this is too far. I need to move the line closer. And today what I need to do is I need to lay in bed. I need to meditate or listen to like uh, singing bowls, Tibetan singing bowls. Um, I need to feed myself. And that's what I need for self-care in today. And if I do that, I feel successful. Or maybe I need to slay at work and cross off half of my to-do list. But it's that uh, or, um, micro action towards success and giving yourself permission to constantly switch gears. Um, and that doesn't mean you can't dream. You know, like that doesn't mean you ha don't have big visions and big things, but allow yourself to mentally change that vision board. You know, like let that because circumstances change. What if you suddenly have to move? What if your relationship changes? What if something, you know, somebody gets injured or disabled? What if you become injured or disabled? If that's your only metric of success, then you're unsuccessful for the rest of your life. So it's a flexibility. And I think um, allowing yourself to see short term midterm and then having a flexible long term and just allowing yourself to say maybe it doesn't change but maybe it does you know right. like maybe it does one of the things that i think is so important and what you just said is you know you have that long term vision that big goal and you get to focus on right now and what's happening right now. People always talk about the power of now and presence in now. When you are so focused on the long-term goal, you it's like people have blinders on and they don't see all these amazing opportunities that might be more aligned for what is true and right for your wolf self. And when your focus is too far ahead, when you're in anxious about something, whether it's gonna happen or not, you're actually, your focus is behind you because there's a reason why you're anxious. So if you're feeling anxious about the future, you're 
stuck in forward and behind and you're not here in the present and you're not creating anything in the now. And the now, the little steps in the now is what builds and builds and builds and creates. It is what allows you to create the life that's true. It's what allows you to feel like, oh, this doesn't feel in alignment anymore. So I need to shift and I get to shift because I'm not so attached to this thing that's in the future or in the past. So maybe quick three things that you screwed up. Oh, yeah. And ended up being successful. One to three things that ended up being blessings that you maybe screwed up. Yeah. Um, one very big one is I went from one coping mechanism to a very unhealthy coping mechanism. And in and around that time of being in that job and getting fired, um, I took a social drinking habit into a very heavy drinking habit. And I was drinking a six pack of beer a night, sometimes more. Um, and I did it to fall asleep. Um, so like to relax because I deserved it. Um, and then to fall asleep. Um, and I was very, I was really struggling from a mental health standpoint. And fortunately slash unfortunately, I didn't have a lot of the challenges that other people have like hangovers and that kind of stuff. Um, it got to the point where it was really, really bad. And, um, and I, uh, I didn't have to go through like a 12 step program or a traditional rehab type situation. I actually decided that I was done and I was done. That is rare. I don't recommend that for everybody. <laughs> like, I just want to be really clear. Many people need to detox and, and, um, you know, go through it in a more traditional sense. What I have found long-term from that situation is that I do that in other ways in my life. I use food in that way. I use uh, work in that way. It's all a coping mechanism of numbing out, opting out of my life because it's too hard. Um, super grateful that I'm sober. I'm coming up on four years sober. It's amazing. Um, you know, and it's not as hard in terms of once you get past that, it's not as hard as you think in the terms of like the social element of being tempted and that it's more about the inner work to say, why, why was I doing that behavior? And then identifying the other ways we take that behavior into our life, like the eating and all those kinds of things. So that's a huge one for me. Um, the the parenting challenging, the parenting challenges. Um, you guys, I just like I I cannot express how much I messed up the first like fifteen. Like it makes me teary, like that I messed up so much with my kids and. I'm, I'm a good mom and I didn't mess up. Like I didn't beat my children. I didn't like, um, you know, do things that, uh, you know, in, in that were unsafe in that way, but I just didn't show up. I didn't prioritize them. I made my career and my version of success more important than my kids. And it was damaging. And I'm undoing that now. 
I can't ever undo it completely, but I can show up. They're still young. They still need support. They still need to navigate this world in a way. And I can be that mom for them. And they are better for it. So I would say like, those are the two biggest ways that I've screwed up. But even if you haven't um, had a substance abuse problem, or if you haven't had a relationship problem in that way, um, as you go through the stories in the book, things about the way that I experienced those and processed those will resonate with you in other ways. Absolutely. It's very much, these things are very much mirrors. Everybody uses their own coping mechanisms. It's one of the things that I really unwind with people when I'm doing the work with them. Because when you don't have to lean into those coping mechanisms, you get to be the wolf. You get to be who you're born to be. And again, the same with relationships. So dealing with that ability to show up fully and presently. So tell us all the things. Tell us about your book. Tell us where to get your book. Tell us all of the things and how to get in contact with you. So this is my book. It's called Successful as Fuck. Um, It's fun. It's provocative. Like you look cool if you're carrying it around Um, on your shelf. Um, it is available just about everywhere. Um, you know, it's like all the, the, um, usual suspects, Amazon, barnesandnoble.com, all of that good stuff. Um, I would really appreciate it if you would buy it, uh, and leave reviews and, and honest reviews, you know, like what was your experience? What did you process from it? Or you can say that it was a bunch of bull crap. I'm open to all of that. Like, um, and the book is, um, it's memoir-esque. It does tell the story through the lens of my story, but it really is intended to be a we book, not a me book. It is just me being the loud mouth willing to put my shit on blast so that you can embrace some of the things that you've gone through without having to do that yourself if you're not ready. Um, I am uh, definitely excited about the opportunity of walking people primarily i'm looking to work with millennial women um to walk them through this phase of moving from um you know this is not what i expected um in the early parts of millennial women to that was not what i expected now what um and doing this success coaching and helping them redefine so that the next steps of their life don't feel like it's too late Um, and then, uh, I'm doing a lot of speaking engagements and talking about these topics with people. So I'm open if you have a group or workshop and that would, um, bring value. And lastly, I'm developing a successful as fuck community, which is going to be totally awesome. Uh, and it's a community where people can come bring their wins bring their uh uh-ohs and like not, and I was telling, um, you know, I was telling, uh, just saying that it's um it's not a poor me place and it's not a braggadocious place it's i'm a real person i'm gonna let my mask down this is something that really bummed me out today or this is something that really like fired me up today and then there'll be subsections where it's interest-based so that you can share those things within your interests. so um all of that stuff to say you can reach out to me on social media i answer the dms 
not my staff. It is me. Um, and uh, I'm pretty much everywhere on the screen is my Instagram and my Facebook. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on TikTok. I'm gonna, I swear I'm going to be better about videos, but I love TikTok. Um, if you're mutual, I will answer. I love just meeting people. So um, reach out to me if you need an encouraging ear. Um, sometimes I send fun little gifts and presents uh, to people randomly. And yeah, I just love connection and people. And uh, my website, RayaGonzalez.com, is the very best place to get all of those resources. And if this has resonated for you, take the moment now, if you're listening, open up your browser and type this in. So R, Raya is spelled R-I-A-H, Gonzalez is G-O-N-Z-A-L-E-Z.com. Type it in now so that you don't have to like try to remember later. <laughs> right. And you and I, we have so much in common with how we are helping people show up as their true and authentic selves. If you are ready to step into true career fulfillment, you're ready. You're ready to take the leap because what you're doing is not right for you. Um, let's have a call. Let's have a conversation. I'll talk to you about what my system that I help my clients get the life they really truly want career and bonus everything else too <laughs> and if you want to do that open up your browser and type in book a call with janea.com and janea is g-e-n-e-a so book a call with g-e-n-e-a.com and raya i know you and i could actually talk for about five more oh. hours <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, I'm going past the time, but I want to keep going. Well, here's here's what we, this is an opportunity. I do have a live stream called Successful as Fuck. I am going to invite Janea on my podcast live stream. And if this conversation is interesting, follow along to Janea because I'm sure she will announce that too. And then you can follow this conversation as we progress over to um, Successful as Fuck. I love it. I love it. If you have one thing to tell everybody, one or two sentences, what would you tell them? Um, I have stolen this phrase from coach Heidi Bushy, who's amazing. Uh, she's also an author, um, but it has become like a family anthem. And that is any action is good action. If you put your feet on the floor, you have taken good action. If you do something big, you have taken good action. So embrace it and celebrate it. But any action is good action. I love that. Well, thank you so much, Raya, for this conversation and everybody else for showing up. We will see you next time on Be the Wolf. Bye, guys. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Be the Wolf. Please take a moment to rate, share, and follow this podcast so that together we can inspire others to be the wolf.